Don't get carried away now. Y'all making me feel really bad about myself right now, but come on, Landon. They ready, buddy. Go. Try again. There we go. Awesome. Now we're ready. Okay. Hey, let's just pray together. Lord, thank you so much for being here with us. God, I just pray that you would come in this moment, God, that you would just speak prophetically through me and this message, Lord. I pray that you prepare all of our hearts, all of our ears to hear what you have to say. God, I pray that you would help us to be open to all that you have for us. And Lord, I just pray that you would just help us to surrender all of, to open up all of ourselves to you. And Lord, we just ask that you be glorified, be honored. God, move us, transform us closer to look more and more like you. And Lord, we just pray that you would just come and speak. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So like Pastor Ron said, this is part two of what was, was going to be one message. It just was way too much to be one. So this is two messages. Um, and so just in case you weren't here last year or last week, not last year, last week, I laid out the big idea that God speaks through relationships within the church body. So that's this room right here. If you take a look around, some are not here, some are maybe on a trip, some are at home. But we, when we show up on campus, we are Christian Life Church. And so through our pastors, through our leaders, through our brothers and sisters, God can speak through them to us and through us to them. And so last week, we zoned deeply on the idea that God can speak prophetically through relationships within the church. I'm just refreshing, but prophecy is to hear God and repeat what you've heard to the right people at the right time. That's prophecy. And just to keep refreshing, prophecy is expressed in so many different ways. There's no just one size, thus saith the Lord. There's no one way to prophesy. Prophecy can be a scripture laid on your heart to give to somebody else. It can be God giving you a word regarding someone's future. When God gives you insight into a situation you had no idea about, when your heart is burdened towards a specific prayer topic, I mean, there's so many more that I didn't even share, dreams, and, and having dreams towards things, or, or singing, music. Sometimes when we're singing together, we don't have any clue how prophetic that is for someone. You are more than able. If somebody needs God to be more than able, that is God prophetically speaking through the song. So God can speak through you prophetically to others, and God can speak prophetically through others to you. And that's last week's message. It's the beauty of belonging in a local church, is that you can be among believers and allow the Lord to speak through them to you. And so I pray more and more and more would we, like I said, stop treating prophecy and all of those gifts Stop treating them as the weirdo things that should stay on the shelf. This is for all of us. We all should pray, Lord, 
give me a gift that you would want to give me so I can bless other people with that gift. And so that's, that's last week. If you missed it, go back and listen. So for today, I want to look at a complete different side of the coin. If last week's message perhaps got you pumped up, I can imagine that today's message might do the opposite. It might make you feel uncomfortable. Everybody wants to operate in the spiritual and the prophetic, but if we're honest, not many of us are gonna wanna do what I'm talking about today. Everybody wants to be spiritual, but this side of the coin is so necessary, and so, what a great intro, right? <laughs> the big idea is that God speaks through relationships within the church body. And so I wanna go back to our chapter of scripture we talked about last week and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where the Apostle Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And so as I've been studying and meditating on this passage of scripture, the word that just keeps leaping off the page to me is the word upbuilding. It just continues to jump out, upbuilding. It's the Greek word oikotome. Oikotome, it means to edify, to build, like building a house from the ground up. It literally is defined as the act of bringing something closer to fullness or completion, understood as if assisting in the construction of an incomplete building. Oikotome. I'm going to say that word a lot today. Oikotome. So this isn't the first time you've heard this, but can I remind you, did you know that God after he saves you, his number one thing, if you're not a believer, it's to save you. It's to draw you to himself, to forgive you of your sin and be in a saving relationship with him. So if you're not in that, come to Jesus. But once you come to Jesus, instantly what happens is God doesn't just, okay, I'm moving on. I'm going to go get others. What God is now doing is he immediately begins the process of building you, of growing you, of transforming you into looking like Jesus. Little by little, the Holy Spirit is transforming true believers into the image of Jesus. God is oikotomeing you. Oikotomeing you. And guess what? One of the primary methods God chooses to oikotome you relationships with people, real people. So God is oikotomeing you with your spouse, with your kids, with your boss, with your coworkers, with your friends, with the people that have hurt you and failed you or the people that constantly get on your nerves 
God is in the business of oikadome, little by little by little, transforming and refining you through people. And so for today's purposes, specifically through, look around, the church family, the church family, those that you are in close proximity to when it comes to belonging to a local church, God actually uses one another to oikadome us. And so with all of this being said, here's kind of this other side of the coin. If last week God speaks prophetically through us, the other side is God can speak through relationships to reveal our need for growth in Jesus. Growth in Jesus. So the goal of the Spirit is not to make us better versions of ourself. It's to transform us inwardly and outwardly to look like Jesus. You hear it a lot. I'm just trying to become a better version of myself. No, I want to look less like myself and more like Jesus. The world doesn't need more of me. The, more, the world needs more of Christ. Less of me, more of Jesus. And a way that God holds up a mirror to show me my weakness and the areas of me that need to be put to death, the mirror that he constantly uses, and you can agree, is relationships, is people. And so God can speak through relationships to reveal our need for growth, and I wanted to be specific, in Jesus. Now, I'm, just, I'm not trying to just grow, I'm trying to grow in Christ. So, let's take it a little deeper. Some of the methods that God uses to reveal our growth areas are conflict, confrontation, and correction. Conflict, confrontation, and correction. Three of your most favorite words, right? Each of these are most of the time painful ways that God and his sovereign ability speaks. To be built up and grown in the Lord requires a lot of times elements that are painful and stretching, like conflict and confrontation and correction. So I just wonder, wondered all week, I wonder if you have ever viewed being lovingly confronted with something that you messed up on as God speaking to you. I wonder if you've ever been biblically, obviously, and lovingly corrected and viewed that as God speaking to you. Again, remember, God is after oikadome, growth in him. And this is a way God speaks, and it's painful, but oftentimes the primary way God speaks to our need for growth is through things like these three. And so going to talk more about those three, but let me just lay something before you. In Galatians 5, we see the classic verses of Paul stating what the fruit of the Spirit is. So these are the fruits of the Spirit. It's the character qualities that the Holy Spirit is actively transforming us towards. So in verse 22, we read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How many of you heard those growing up in Sunday school or some type of Bible study growing up as a kid? You constantly hear the fruit of the Spirit. Anytime I get with a young person and I say the fruit of the Spirit, it's like they rattle it off quick. Love, joy, peace, patience, they're so fast. We hear these words, but have you ever thought about that you can't know you really have fruits of the Spirit outside of the context of relationships? It's like you don't know you're kind outside of having people to be kind to. You don't know you're patient until you're in a situation that tests that patience, oftentimes involving people. You might live with those people. You might see them frequently. You might work with them. You might go, to, obviously, to church with them. You don't know you're patient until that's tested. You don't know you're kind until you have to be kind instead of unkind. So the point is that relationships are the context where you measure whether or not you're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Relationships are the context where you measure whether or not you're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. And God is after oikotome. And oikotome is this, slowly transforming us into the fruits of the Spirit, which we know is Christ, Christ-like. This is how Christ operated. And so a book we keep recommending is this book, Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio. He says in this book, hear this, the fruit of the Spirit, the way you can tell the Holy Spirit is evident in someone's life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All this is continually tested and developed in the furnace of relationships. God wants to plant you in relationships and wants you to be in a rich and reciprocal community of believers who help mature you and whom you can help mature. He wants you to hear him through others and he wants you to speak to others through you. That's what the church is all about. And hear this, your community should play an intricate role in your spiritual growth. It should be like they hold up a mirror to your face to lovingly reveal the true condition of your soul, to help you see what you truly look like. That's the heart of this message. Again, what, what we don't want, and I'm not gonna try to jump my message, is just to, just to validate you and your lack of growth and your sinfulness. We don't wanna just say, that's cool. Your community should play an intricate role in your growth in the Lord, and that, more on that later. <clears throat> so I'll say it again. Some of the methods that God uses to reveal our growth areas are conflict, confrontation, and correction. And when believers operate in love and handle these things, biblically, the Bible actually does say a lot about correction, confrontation, and, and conflict. When people operate biblically, these things are actually good. Now, what has stressed me out all week is I know just by saying the word conflict, confrontation, and correction, some of you, you shrink back. Oh my gosh, no way. I am not a conflict person. I avoid it. Or I hate correction. People used to do that at my old church and they, they abused it. 
it stressed me out all week not to have 13 pages of notes because I just want to speak to every angle, but I can't. So please know that this message, I understand that there are different scenarios, you're all in different places. However, there's no reason any of us should completely shy away from hearing the Lord speak through conflict, confrontation, and correction. So if at the end of this message you go, well, he didn't talk about this, come talk to me. And I would love to talk about that. Just know that I can't because we can't be here till one o'clock because our kids would throw the fit. Okay, here we go. So let's dive into conflict and confrontation first. So conflict and confrontation are kind of a package deal. At least they should be. And if we're honest, at least in my opinion, like I just said, most of us don't handle conflict and confrontation well. In fact, like I said, many avoid it. Some people never confront you because you explode or you're unapproachable. But as believers in Jesus, we have to get this right. So we all know conflict is when you and somebody disagree on something. It's when you and someone else that you butt heads, so you have opposing sides or stances on something. We all know what conflict is. If you're in a relationship with a human of any nature, you know what conflict is. And confrontation, I would say, should be the attempt to resolve that conflict in humility and grace. And so what I'm not saying is, you know, there's the conflict that doesn't matter. Like, I'm a UT fan, you're an LSU fan. We're in conflict, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. We can laugh about it, we can move on. We're in conflict, but it's funny, it's cool. That's not the conflict I'm talking about. I'm talking about the conflict that actually produces a hurt, a wound, a bitterness in you. That is when we have to operate biblically and handle it correctly. Because again, we're, today's just honest day. Oftentimes when we are involved in conflict and get hurt, or wounded or frustrated at someone, we, again, totally neglect to talk about it, and a couple things can happen. Gossip and or offense. Gossip oftentimes includes someone getting in conflict, getting wounded in some way, and then they tell everybody but the person that caused maybe their pain. And again, what can happen is that gossip can fester into the next one, offense. Offense often takes root when confrontation is avoided. And then if you're gossiping, then you're probably secondhand offending others and now everybody's mad at this person and they don't even know why, now we have this big mess. So please, can I say, the way the, way the world handles conflict and grievances is not the way the church should handle it. Believers should not be marked by gossip and offense and petty behavior and grudges. We learned that in high school. That's where all this comes from. Middle school and high school most likely cultivated a lot of that in people. But the heart of Jesus is that we operate in a certain 
way. And you might ask, why are we talking about something like this when we have like a mission to accomplish? Why are we talking about this stuff when we have like a mission to go do and reach the world? And I would say, with all the love in my heart, the reason that we have to talk about this and understand that this is how the Lord speaks, it's because of offense and it's because of not knowing how to handle conflict that handcuffs the church. It handcuffs people. We can't go do the mission because we're stuck in a fence and, and hurt and we don't know how to deal with it and so this is why we talk about this. So what is the way Jesus what is his heart for conflict and confrontation? Pastor Ron talked about this some and back in the Twisted series, if you remember. But in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, we see actually an order from Jesus on how to address conflict. It's the way of Jesus. In verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So freeze there. Jesus is saying to the one who is hurt, to the one who was sinned against, that they should be the initiator. Obviously, praise God for the times when the one who does the offending and the hurt comes and apologizes and makes things right. But apart from that, Jesus is encouraging the one who was hurt to go and initiate the confrontation. Again, see, the world doesn't operate like this. And I understand there are some extreme cases and contexts where maybe a different approach is actually more wise, but most all of the time, this is the way. Go one-on-one -on -one alone and address your grievances. So it's, hey, brother, hey, sister, what you did was extremely hurtful to me, and here is why. And you air it out and you talk it out, and the verse continues, if he or she listens to you, you have gained your brother or sister. You've gained them back. And so I'll add, of course, sometimes your hurt where you felt sinned against, it may have just been a misunderstanding. Or they actually weren't intending to hurt you, they just didn't see it. Regardless, when you address it, praise the Lord, you lay your burdens down and God helps you reconcile. However... Sometimes you really actually were hurt by the person. They were operating sinfully or they were operating in a blind spot and they actually did hurt you. So by confronting them, please hear this, by confronting them, the Lord in his goodness, he actually uses the situation you initiated to speak to that person to help them see where they need to grow like him. This is where confrontation and conflict is actually the Lord speaking. So praise God when it happens great. All it took was humility on your part, confrontation, a little bit of nervousness and stress, most likely for most of you. You initiated it and you saw the Lord speak to you. You, you talked through it and the Lord speaks to their growth and, they, and you move on. However, the rest of the verse does continue and say if they don't listen... Take one or two others along with you, obviously unbiased people. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, then 
Then tell it to the church. Bring in the pastoral leadership. And if they refuse to listen even to that, let them be as a Gentile and a tax collector, which basically means just, just walk away and move on. And so we see even Jesus himself, he knew, because he's God, he knew that his people would constantly be butting heads, and he actually laid out a step-by-step plan to actually deal with it. And so the point of this passage is to show that conflict may lead to hurt and offense, but as believers, we should confront those that hurt us with a heart of love and humility and grace, knowing that sometimes through the confrontation, the Lord may speak to them and help them grow in their weakness. Right? If everyone operates this way here at the church, in this church family, then I can imagine God is oftentimes going to be showing up through confrontation and correction and conflict. I mean, just think, even applying this to marriage or friendship, if we operate this way where we address things one-on-one in the right context, with humility and grace, the Lord will speak through those moments towards your growth and my growth. And this is ultimately how the fruit of the Spirit is refined and grown in us. Hope this is making sense. I, I, I knew that today would have much less amens than last Sunday. <laughs> So, so stop, stop avoiding conflict and confrontation, but do so in a God-honoring and biblical way. And so a great verse to lean in on is Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. This is a great verse to just anchor yourself in on. Again, no matter the nature of your conflict, whether it's in marriage or co-worker relationships or here at the church, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, no, let, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Corrupt talk means they're worthless, bad, no good, or unproductive speech. For example, gossip is corrupt talk. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Everybody say building up. Guess what Greek word that is? Oikotome. Only such as is good for oikotomeng. Let your talk produce growth in the person, even if it is painful growth. So only that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor means loud yelling, arguing, and slander, slander means spreading lies to others, be put away from you, along with all malice. Malice is ill will. I'm going to plot revenge. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So go sometime this week and read Ephesians 4. It's awesome. But can we just admit to ourselves and admit to one another We're going to hurt each other. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to fail one another. We're going to disagree 
with one another over silly college football stuff all the way to like the most major things that actually will hurt you and wound you and make you actually really angry. I mean, some of you have college football in that category. (laughs) But we are going to disagree with one another. In fact, some of you, the reason you're not in the church you used to go to or several years ago go to is because of what I'm talking about. Again, sometimes I understand there are times to leave and move and the Lord moves, but a lot of times we can get so hurt by people failing that it causes us to unplant ourselves and plant in another place. Again, on and on and on the, con- the context could go, but people hurt people. Did you know that? And we are going to hurt one another. And if we don't have a biblical rooted system in place, we're not going to know how to handle it. I mean, even for me, I mean, in the last several months, I had someone attack my character, my integrity, say some really hurtful words to me that were lies. And and instead of getting offended and blasting back, well, you, I just felt peace to like, hey, let's, let's sit down or let's talk about this. Let's, let's clear up the lies. Yes, this is a misunderstanding. Let me shed some light on the truth. Okay, we're great. And me and the person are fine. We're great. I don't walk around going, you're never going to believe. I mean, in the moment I was hurt, but I'm cool because of Ephesians 4. Especially verse 32, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. I know how much Christ forgave me. I'm a little bit more wicked than you probably think I am, or at least my past for sure. I know the price that was paid on the cross. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be forgiven like I've been forgiven. And if I can be forgiven like that, <laughs> I can forgive you too. Just as Christ has forgiven us, so we can forgive. It's hard. That's why we need the Spirit. But if Christ can forgive us, we can forgive others too. Okay, so conflict, confrontation. Do it. If you need help, that's what we're here for. We can help coach through. But let's talk about confrontation's brother named correction. Sometimes there are scenarios in relationships that you get to observe other people's weakness or you see their faults. And oftentimes what needs to happen is correction. Everybody say correction. (laughs) Luke 17 verses 3 and 4. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He speaks to correcting brothers or sisters in sin. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So again, Jesus is speaking to both sides. If they sin against you and they repent, forgive them. Just as Christ forgave you. Be humble and graceful. But he also is speaking to if you witness a brother or sister deliberately or even blindly caught up in sin, rebuke them. 
Now, when I say the word rebuke, does that thing inside of you kind of, oh, I don't really like that word, rebuke. The word rebuke, it literally means to address them one-on-one and correct them. So doing this in love and gentleness, the word rebuke, it means just to sit down and have a truthful conversation. So again, this is another area that is so easily to avoid, but we should lovingly correct our brothers and sisters living in sin. Whether it's deliberately sinning or blindly, it's a blind spot, out of love and mercy, we pray that through this correction, the Lord speaks. And understand that when we bring an element of correction. We, it's, we're standing on this. This is an opinion. The, the word tells us what is God's heart and what's not his heart. And so, for example, if I observe a brother in Christ frequently disrespecting his wife, and it's very apparent that that's happening, I'm not necessarily the one hurt by it, but I see it. And so I get one-on-one in the right context And I say with grace and truth, one-on-one, hey, brother, I may be off base here, but man, I continually notice this. Or help me understand this. Because all of us have blind spots, right? You might say, I don't have any blind spots. Well, that's the point of a blind spot. You You don't know you have them. And so whether it's a close friend, a C group leader, again, I'm not just saying random, you have no clue who this person is and you go and correct them. I'm, I'm, it's understood almost that I'm talking about people you're in close relationship with. And yes, the people, they might get offended at you for correcting them, but again, I think it's worth it to operate biblically. So a guy named Mark Dever, he says in a book, He says this, he says, imagine this church. It's huge, it's still growing numerically, people like it, the music's good, the people are welcoming, there are many exciting programs and people are quickly enlisted into their support, and yet, the church in trying to look like the world in order to win the world has done a better job than it may have intended. It does not display the distinctively holy characteristics taught in the New Testament. Imagine such an apparently vigorous church being truly spiritually sick with no remaining immune system to check and guard against wrong teaching or wrong living. Imagine Christians knee-deep in recovery groups and sermons on brokenness and grace being comforted in their sin but never confronted. Imagine those people made in the image of God being lost to sin because no one corrects them. Can you imagine such a church? Apart from the size, have I not described many of our American churches? It's a very sobering spot from this book. But I I just had to read it because I hope you're convinced of this. This is not a fun sermon. It's not. I mean... It's not, but man, if we can get this and understand that, man, when we hear, when we hear that God speaks, it's very easy to fall prey 
and to the, yes, God can speak audibly. He can speak through an inner voice. He can speak prophetically. I want that. And I would say that most of the time, the reason that might not happen is because of this. It's because of being stuck in our sin or stuck in offense or relational strife and having really no idea how to handle it. Understanding that by handling it biblically, that is God speaking. Again, you, you don't know that you're unkind until a brother lovingly says, hey, you're not kind. And God, his heart is that you look like the fruit of the spirit, kind. And that's the Lord saying, I love you. I'm transforming you, oikadome, piece by piece. And again, the Lord speaks through painful ways like confrontation, conflict, and correction. And so as I begin to close, I have to just close by saying this. Everything that I have said today requires so much humility, grace, and denial of self. Humility, grace, and denial of self, because nobody likes to be confronted or corrected when they're wrong. I know I don't. If you correct me or confront me, most of the time, the first things that come to my mind is justi to justify. Well, let me tell you why, or let me justify why I was tired. I didn't sleep last night. It's like, I'm going to justify myself, or I'm going to make an excuse. That, I'm just being honest. If I'm the only one in the church, then man, but we're, can we not agree we're all, nobody likes to be corrected or confronted or told they're wrong. In fact, when we are challenged, we have that tendency, like I said, to buck up, and that ultimately sometimes leads to offense. And, and even worse than that, what happens is when we are confront, con, confronted and uh, in conflict or corrected, we have a, a temptation to just leave the relationship or, or even more just to leave the church. Let me go find somewhere else where nobody's going to do that. Nobody likes it. I know I don't, but I know some of the biggest ways the Lord has grown me and spoke to me is this. And so my prayer is for this church that we see that we have one another to be safe with, to love one another, to display Christ's mercy and forgiveness to one another. And if you correct me and you're completely off, guess what? I'm going to operate in humility and grace. And that's okay. But if you correct me and you're on my prayer is that both sides are operating in humility and we grow and see the Lord speak to our growth. And again, when we can see this happen the right way, man, if we can really deal with this, again, like I said earlier, I, I believe that we're going to depopulate hell and we're going to see the kingdom advanced because we have no more handcuffs or things holding our feet down. We're gonna be free from bondage, free from offense, free from all these things so that we can run fast and man, advance the kingdom. Amen? And so, 
Simply put, and then we're done. God seeks to speak to you, and God seeks to speak to me, and God gave, he gifted you and gifted me with one another. And one of the ways that God speaks through one another is to target where we need to grow. Oftentimes, the method he chooses to do that is confrontation and correction. And as we operate in this biblically, Man, the Lord's going to speak to us and help us to grow so we can run fast to advance the kingdom. You with me? Let's stand together. So I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Ron's going to close. But just close your eyes, bow your heads with me. I pray that the Holy Spirit spoke something to you today. I pray that our church would be marked by this that we would understand and know we're going to hurt one another, we're going to offend one another, we're going to disagree with one another. But my prayer, Lord, I'm praying that you would help us to operate this way in humility and kindness and grace and mercy. We would speak the truth and love to one another in the right context, knowing that it's there that you superintend the situation for oikotome to grow us little by little into the image of Christ. And so God, I pray, help us. Help us, Lord. I know that even a message like this is risky. We're going to have people confronting one another and addressing conflict and lots of flesh one to rise up. Lord, I know But I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give grace. That you would help us, again, like we've said, to look less and less like ourselves and more and more like you, Jesus. Because, Lord, we want to hear you. We want to hear your voice. And so, God, I pray right now over every person here that you would speak, you would continue to speak, God, whether it be an inner voice, whether it be an external voice, a dream, a song, God, or maybe it is something like addressing conflict or correction. Lord, I, I know I've seen you speak through those scenarios, and I pray, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it takes to grow us to look like Jesus, at least me, if it's me alone, Lord, I say I surrender. I surrender to what it takes, Lord. I surrender to the Spirit. Refine me. Refine us to be a church that operates in holiness, that's set apart, an honorable tool used to advance your kingdom in this day and age. And so, Lord, we just pray, have your way. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, everybody... Um,
As I was sitting listening to Landon um, teach the congregation, I thought about how well he's pastoring us through challenges in our life and relationships. You know, um, being the lead pastor here, and you know next year we'll celebrate our 30th anniversary at Christian Life Church. It's crazy. And a lot of you know that over the last really five years especially, I've had this intense desire to train and raise up our young communicators at the church. And one of the things that I'm always emphasizing to our young guys like Landon and Cole and other of our young guys that teach and preach on occasion is that just pastor the people through your talk. You know, sometimes you sit in a service and people are wanting to inspire for applause and reactions and those kinds of things. But the, but the shepherd's heart inside of me says, don't waste a moment. Speak into real life, real situations, real needs, and give us some shepherding. Pastor us through it. That's what he did today. And... I agree so much that we want to hear the prophetic word of what God's going to do in our future, but a lot of times we don't want to hear a prophetic word of how God wants to correct what we've done in the past. But God does speak to us that way. And one of the things that I was thinking about is how do you know and how do you receive from people? Because everybody... Since I have your attention, just look at me for a moment, and I want you to hear this. There are, th there are three kinds of people who often come to you with a difficult message. Or there's three attitudes they come at. One, I don't have much time for, and that's when people come with a critical spirit that you just know all they want to do is be ugly or nasty or be critical. I don't let the word from people that are like that sit in my spirit. The other type of attitude that comes to communicate to me that the hard things are people that are just, I call them, call them these are the curious people. These are just busybody people. They just want to know something that's really not their place to know. All of us have real personal things that we're dealing with. And this is how you can even, this is how you can even qualify. Should I say something? Well, if you're going to be critical, no, you need to pray. If you're just curious, no, that's a busybody spirit. There's a third type of people, and these are the people that are really genuinely, sincerely concerned. So I don't, I don't give time to a critical spirit. And I'm very cautious about people that are just curious. But when I'm close enough to a person in my C group or a person that's in my youth ministry or a guy that shows up at the men's retreat and I know there's nothing but love and a good spirit there, these are people that are concerned about me. They're concerned for me. And I can have a teachable spirit. A spirit that says, 
I want to hear. I want to grow. One of the problems is that our relationship, remember I said this at the beginning, most of the great life at Christian Life happens between Sundays. Because on Sundays, we just gather together and we hear a good inspiring word and we worship with another. But the real nitty gritty, the real challenge of the fruit of the Spirit happens in relationships, maybe at a men's group or in a C group or at a journey discipleship group or in um, a ministry working partnership. Can I say this? God is more concerned about us growing into Jesus, developing godly character than he is about our comfort and our ease. And we're not releasing you to go start confronting and correcting everybody. What we are doing is saying that if you are concerned about somebody you're close to, with humility, you get on your face and you ask the Lord and you approach them like Jesus said, thinking about yourself first before I approach because usually what I'm trying to deal with with somebody else is an attitude that's already manifested in my life and I want to grow together. Did anybody hear anything good today that might help you? Come on. Can you say amen to that? So I... I because some of you responded and said, Pastor, I, I, heard, I heard you say, when I said to the men, we want you there and we will pay for it. I want to make sure that you know that there's an opportunity. Come on, put our giving slide up here. This is how you can give the Christian life. And you can just mark, mark a note if you want that money to go help some brothers to be able to get there. Men, we want you there. And... Uh, so this is how you can give to Christian Life. If you want to just write out a check, just drop it in the box on the wall in the back. If you want to do it online.